the Bible Study Podcast, episode 712. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of 1 Corinthians with chapter 14. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may recall we've been talking about spiritual gifts and we've been talking about love and how if you don't have love, the spiritual gifts don't matter, that that's the most important thing to Paul. And now he gets into specifically what to do if you love each other and you've got spiritual gifts and you're trying to do worship because apparently they've been having some problems in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 14, in ineligibility in worship. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like everyone of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, what other tongues? And through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? 
But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Okay, that's quite a lot. And for some of you, depending on what Christian tradition you've grown up in, this may seem very foreign. If you've grown up in a charismatic or a Pentecostal branch of the church, then this is very familiar. Coming into a worship service and hearing some people prophesy or some people speak in tongues would be normal situation for you, but very unnormal for some of you who are listening. And so let's just talk about the biblical experience in terms of what prophecy and tongues are all about first. So we won't really find, to the best of my knowledge, speaking in tongues in an Old Testament passage. So let's jump ahead to uh, second chapter of Acts. You may remember in the second chapter of Acts that the Holy Spirit comes on the church and people start speaking in other languages that they did not know. Now, in that particular case, as they went out from the room that they were in and they went into the street, we find that they were speaking languages that other people there did know. And so it gathered this crowd around them because people said, how can these people who seem to be Galileans be speaking my language? And so the gift of tongues was specifically used in that case to give people the ability to speak in a language that they did not speak, to bring a word to people that they could not otherwise communicate with, or at least to bring it in a fashion that was notable. The second place where the gift of tongues is noted in the chapter, in the book of Acts, was when Peter is sent by the Holy Spirit to the house of Cornelius, the Roman centurion. And these people are Gentiles. And so Peter is saying, you know, as far as we know, this Christianity thing, this Christ thing, this Jesus thing is really only for Jews. And that's what was understood for the first, say, 10 years, or at least 10 chapters in Acts of the church, is that this was a Christ, this was a Jewish sect. This was about being Jewish and yet following Jesus. Uh, we would call that today a, a completed Jew or somebody who is both Christian and Jewish. It can happen today, and it was happening back then. But what wasn't happening was that the word wasn't going out to people who weren't Jewish because that wasn't their understanding. Well, one of the things that convinces Peter and the other people with him that God is intending to spread this message to people who aren't Jewish is, first of all, that Peter gets this signs that says, go to this place. But also then after he speaks, the Holy Spirit falls upon these people and they begin to speak in tongues. And so he says, you know, how can we deny them the water of baptism when they've already had the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And so we can see that this was used as an outward sign, this gift of tongues. Paul also talks about it in here as being a way that my spirit can pray with words that I don't understand. He says, my words don't under, my mind doesn't understand what I'm saying, though. So it's good for my spirit, but not for my mind. So that's tongues. I'm going to set that aside for a while. And then the other one is prophecy. And when we think about prophecy, we tend to think about speaking f- the future. And prophecy certainly can be that. If you look in the Old Testament, where we'll find lots and lots of prophecy and lots and lots of prophets, they are sometimes saying that this is going to happen in the future. 
And so they are prophesying ahead of time, but really prophecy means to speak forth a word from God. And it doesn't have to be a word about the future at all. In fact, when Paul says that their secrets of their hearts are laid bare, if someone comes into a church service, if someone comes into a church uh, services, is a little bit um, of a chronological misnomer in the sense that at the time, for those of us who grew up in a liturgical tradition where things are printed out and we're doing this in the bulletin and such, that's probably not what church is like at the time. If you're familiar with um, other non-liturgical church services now where it's not clear at the beginning what all you're going to do and it happens as the spirit flows, that's probably closer to what the early services were like or the early church was like. And then he says if someone comes in and people are speaking in prophecy, they will be convicted of their sin. So in other words, that God is speaking through people words that that person wouldn't have any way of knowing otherwise. And so they can speak into a person's situation without knowing that situation. It isn't like they get to know someone and then say, hey, I think God means this, but just I've got a word of prophecy and it's addressing you, know, you. or I've got a word of prophecy and it's this, and the person says, he's talking about me. And so this speaking what God says, this gift of prophecy, is Paul is arguing in this whole section here is more interesting, is more important, is more beneficial to the church, not to the individual. He says that speaking in tongues where my spirit can pray is important, but it doesn't build up the church unless someone is there to interpret, unless someone is there to say, what you are saying is this. And so, again, this is going to be fairly foreign to some of you and very familiar to others of you, depending, again, on what your church is like. And so his argument, though, here is implying that they've had a problem with this in the Corinthian church. So when he says, you know, it's it'd be crazy if you came in and everybody was speaking in tongues, that is probably implying they've had a little bit of that crazy going on that there is not order in the worship and that people are craving this gift of tongues, which is pretty amazing. And yet he's saying not necessarily the most beneficial thing for the church. And so he says, great, great if you pray in tongues, but it'd be better yet if you could give it an intelligible word that people could understand. Five intelligible words is better than 10,000 in a tongue. I'm not sure there's a whole lot else I want to get into with that. I think that's kind of the point of what Paul is saying, and he comes across fairly clearly through all of these different analogies here. But then he goes on to talk about this order in worship. And he says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. If a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first person should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone must be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the of prophets. 
For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. It is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everyone should be done. everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Okay, I'm going to skip over just for a second that women should remain silent in churches, which I know got some hackles up there. We're going to get to that in a second. But the main point of this is not that one verse that we might have some problems with, but this whole thing with that God is the God of order. And so remember that this church service that they're describing, if we can call it a service, is different from those of us who come in and we read a printed bulletin and we know there's going to be a hymn, there's going to be a sermon, there's going to be some lessons, not necessarily in that order, but we know the order when we come in. This is a very different experience for those of you who are used to that. This is coming in and everyone is bringing something. And at the beginning of the service, you have no idea how long it's going to be or who's going to say what or what's going to happen. But he's saying, even with all that, that God does know what's going to happen, that God is an orderly God, that God is trying to do something, that God is trying to do something in the lives of the people in the church. In whichever form your worship is, that is still true. God is a God of order, and God has something in mind every service, every Sunday, every church that he is trying to speak to different people on different issues and get us to change and get us to grow closer to him in different ways and with different things. And as he's saying here that there's hymns, there's instructions, there's, there's in, in this case, revelations and tongues and interpretation and all of those things. But each of those is being included in this worship because each of them is speaking to someone different or speaking this some differently to the same person potentially sometimes we are moved by a sermon sometimes by a lesson sometimes by uh, a divine inspiration of a prophecy or tongues and sometimes just by a song and that remains today that god can work through all of those methods but it is god that is the focus that's what makes it worship and that it's God who will organize this, and that it's not, again, about me, and hey, I've got this brand new gift, and shouldn't I show it off in church? So now let's address the elephant in the room here. Women should remain silent in churches, and Paul will sometimes say, uh, um, he'll he'll couch that with, I don't allow. Now, one of the things we need to know is we're coming out of a Jewish tradition where the women are often in the back. And so some people have, as they've read this, have said, well, no wonder he's saying they should remain silent. They're sitting not with their husbands, but in the back as the Jewish synagogue did. And they're gossiping because they can't hear what's going on. And that may be true. This may also be something that is more, uh, for the time, and different Christian churches at this time disagree how relevant these verses are for today. I'll just put that out there. Uh, Even within different denominations, there may be subgroups where one group doesn't allow women to speak and another group does. So that is a point of disagreement between Christians. One thing that we do know is we do know that there are 
women in leadership in the Bible. We know that uh, Lydia, the church meets in her house, and she is the first person that Paul converted when he came to her town. And she is, in. we get the impression, a leader in her church. We know that Priscilla and Aquila, it's not just Aquila, Priscilla, who is a woman, is also one of the co-workers of Paul. And so we know that she has a role in the ministry even though Paul is sort of implying that women don't have a part of the ministry or that they're not supposed to be speaking in church. We also know in the judges that one of the judges who was ruling Israel was Deborah. And so we know that women have positions and authority in the Bible, and that's one of the reasons why these verses are somewhat disputed, whether how much they're going to that time and how much they apply to our time. And we're not going to, you and I, solve this right now. I happen to lean into the camp that says that Paul is speaking into a first century situation where the women are sitting in the back. But I understand that some of you are in a church that has a different interpretation, and I understand that. But with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.